I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Tri-tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Sorry, can you hear the seagulls? Oh my goodness. What is happening there? Is this like the birds? You're going to get attacked. That's right. In the middle of the podcast, you're just going to see seagulls coming down. First, it'll be poop and then it'll be beaks and that all just, all just to disappear. No, <laughs> I am in my office, I'm recording in my office today for this and I don't normally. There's a skylight right above me. Anyone who listens to the Women's Performance Podcast will know that there are like regularly, regular seagull noises. And sometimes like the skylight is so close. Sometimes I see their little feet just like coming down and like walking right above my head. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it. We, we've never recorded at this time with you in the office. So this is my first seagull encounter. Yeah, this is a there's a seaside uh, ambiance to our podcast oh, this no. evening. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I do have a question for you though, Sarah, before we get started. Oh no. <laughs> like, okay. This this I spent the last weekend in Monterey, California. I'm like, okay, as an American, I need you to speak for your people. Oh geez, no pressure. Okay. Okay. What is with In and Out Burger? Did you go? No, we did not go, but this is, and this is not the first time I have witnessed this. There was a, an In-N-Out burger right beside our hotel. And I want to say 24-7, although like I wasn't out there four in the morning to observe, but like all of the daylight hours in which we came and went from the hotel, there was a lineup for the In-N-Out drive through that went, and it was on a major street. Like it was on a six lane road right? Went right out onto the road. Like it was like, I'm surprised there's not more accidents of people who have to break quickly because there are people waiting in the road for the lineup for the in and out burger drive through. <laughs> That's insane. I've, I mean, I've seen lines in and out, but never that long. Um, I mean, it's good. It's fast food. Like it's, but is it's it like, a- why wouldn't they just go like down the street to the McDonald's? Like why wouldn't, why do people wait in that queue? Well, and, okay. and it's very uh, limited distribution in the U.S. So they're only, it's mostly California, I think Arizona, some other states. I've been to, I have been to one in Arizona, but so many years ago and not where I waited in the long queue. But I, I have seen that before at other in and outs where this just seems to be like a swarm of people <laughs> there all the time. <laughs> wow. You weren't near like an airport or something where. I mean, no. no. Wow. That's bizarre. No. Okay. So this is not like, because I do know in and out is popular. Catherine on my team and I had a joke about in and out because I wouldn't go with her in Arizona. Like I just, sorry, I find the name like weirdly, like ha- has like a weird sexual overtone. Even when I say it, I'm like, I don't even, I can't even hear the words in and out. Like I don't, I don't want <laughs> Uh, you know, what's worse. There was a gas station down in, uh, Benville right next to where we're staying called the come and go. Uh, 
M. <laughs> K U M. No, that's so wrong. They did it on purpose. Oh my god. Oh, so wow. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's good. It's. I mean, you see, you can see like them peeling the potatoes in front of you. So it's it's a level of for the the fries, like right. So like you level not pre, they're not pre-frozen. Right. Mm. It, I mean, it's super good fast food, but at the end of the day, it's still just a burger and fries. Okay. Well, if anyone in our audience has a has a really good argument for in and out and wants to tell me all about why it's worth lining up down the street for <laughs> to go through the drive-thru, I would love to know. Sarah is clearly not the in and out audience that we were, we were hoping for. That I was Sorry. I, well, I can't explain a line that, that long. Like I, I've definitely been to them, you know, they're good, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't wait in the line that long. Mm. Okay. Okay. So maybe some of our listeners do. So maybe somebody will know about yeah. why. So it's so exciting to go to internet. Um, okay. Coming up on the show. So we're going to, we have a voicemail about the 70.3 awards. Uh, we're going to talk about my weekend doing my CrossFit course. Oh my gosh. Um, when. Oh, when your bikes don't show up at a race and Sarah has an encounter with a driver. Okay. So Sarah, we had a voicemail from Megan, who was also a little bit frustrated by the 70.3 awards. So let's listen to that. Hi, Sarah and Sarah. This is Megan calling from Kalamazoo, Michigan. I listened to your podcast about having to stick around to accept your 70.3 world slots um, when you have been a winner. Uh, This really, really pisses me off. I have qualified for 70.3 worlds three times each time I took my slot, but had to stick around about five hours after I was done racing. Um, Two of the times that meant getting home at like 1030 at night to get up and go to work today. And this most recent time, it meant missing another five or six hours hanging out with my sister and her family while I was just waiting at the Walmart in Cambridge, Maryland, because it was raining. So Sarah, true, I saw you at Eagle Man and yelled, go Sarah. So there's that. Good job. And the slot thing sucks. Yeah, I think there are many better ways of spending your day than waiting for an award ceremony in Walmart for hours. But congratulations for getting your slot. It's just what a silly system that you have to sit around waiting all day. Yeah, you should be able to pick it up right away. Yeah. Like you should be able to like go through, I'd like now that I'm thinking about this, especially for 70.3, I hadn't put a ton of thought into it because like, I wasn't big on, I certainly, I certainly wasn't getting a slot at 70.3. So it never affected me personally, but like, yeah, waiting, like, of course you've checked out of your hotel, you know, you're like waiting for a 4 PM or a 5 PM award ceremony. That's terrible. What about that? I feel like I should know this. What about Kona slots for, for age groupers because do you do you have to wait until or just anybody like you, you the, is it the next day yeah I, I'm yeah you, you yeah I'm to trying to remember to like ceremonies so that's yeah I think do. that's way the next worse. day mm-hmm. that's even worse is that they're saying okay you have to hang around a whole yeah although I guess in Iron Man you're not really wanting to you know go back to work the next morning necessarily but still. well yeah it's it is part of the culture of Iron Man but you know 
I had like people have to, some people have to work because people do need to go to work on a Monday. It, I remember Ironman's where the awards is a, is a dinner the next night, like a Monday night dinner. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, oh man, sometimes it's a brunch or something or just like a tables in a field, <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's equally as bad in a way. Um, but uh, I, I feel like in a, in Ironman people, some people have just like that little bit more commitment level. Like they've come, you know, they've, come to, they, they've like taken a little bit extra time off. Like they're probably not doing, but it's 70.3. Like it's sorry. In and out is like the theme of this, but it, <laughs> this podcast, but it's like in and out, right? It's like, you know, like a early morning people. start, you're done midday. You can easily, if you live, you know, within a drivable distance, easily drive home and go to work the next morning. Yeah. Like, why can't you just roll through the finish line and be like, Hey, I was first. Yeah. Give me my slot. Here's yeah. your money. You know? <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to change any minds. Uh, I, all, all I figure is that they want to have more people who show up at the award ceremony because it just looks better. Oh yeah. I, and I, and, and I get that. Yeah. Right? I get that. Yeah. At some point though, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry that sorry Megan, but congratulations. And uh next time if you're if you come to 70.3 Victoria instead of going to Walmart, you can come to my house. Nice. Hang <laughs> That's oh, about I was- all I have to offer. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not to everyone. That's just for Megan. Yes, to Megan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be some disappointed listeners. Um <laughs> Well, and, and we heard a few episodes ago that you just expect people to kind of take care of themselves. So Megan, don't expect, you know, Sarah to roll out the red carpet. You'll just be hanging out in her living room. I give you the code to my front door. Yep. You can go in, you can hang out. <laughs> my daughter may or may not be there. It's fine. Help yourself to some food. It's all good. Um, <laughs> okay. So Sarah, this past weekend, I was in Monterey, California, and I did my like L1 L1, they call, they call it. It's like the level one coaching course for CrossFit. You, yeah, you did not go to in and out but you did go and got your level one coaching. That's awesome. So what what was that experience like? So hilarious. Okay, so first of all, like I had been told before, I swear, like if they listen to this podcast now, what I'm about to say, they're going to like strip me, of my, <laughs> strip me of my qualifications. But like... <laughs> I've been told before that like CrossFit's like a bit of a cult and like, you know, you hear this stuff about CrossFit and that people end up like whatever. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't see that. Like we just have a really nice community and we work out together and I like the workouts. Like I don't, I haven't really seen that side of it, although it's not like I didn't believe it. Right. But like, (laughs) and I'm not saying this is cultish. It was a very, very nice group of people. I love the group of people we were with. The instructors were really, really good and have been doing CrossFit since like day one, they go around the country and do all these courses. You know, it's the same instructors that go to like do all the courses everywhere. So there is like some level of, that's actually kind of cool. Like there's some level of uniformity, you know, and also they have a lot of experience coaching the coaches, which is great. Um, however, <laughs> I did take in, it was like, I got my first taste of like why people call CrossFit a coach. So like one of the coaches had like CrossFit tattooed on him. Oh, <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. but okay. So people have the M dot tattoo. They do. Them. They so do. 
it's and I know some equivalent. of I know some of our listeners will, and I don't yeah. want to totally diss that, but no, it no, is. no. I'm saying like it's same thing with people with the Olympic rings. You know, the Olympic Olympics, it is, it's it is a it's a brand. It is, right? Yeah. So do you think, so I guess the question would be, so like, cause I think that the reason people put the Ironman logo on themselves is because it's like, it's an accomplishment that right. they're, so, that they're so memorializing kind right. of in the, a way. The CrossFit tattoo. So is it only games athletes? Go ahead. <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. So w- at what point are you like, okay, now I've earned the CrossFit tattoo. Cause you're right. Like, the M dot, the Olympic rings, like that's to signal a degree of accomplishment. So when did, yeah, you should have asked. I should have asked like what, at what point am I allowed to get my CrossFit tattoo? After <laughs> obviously I'm not gonna coaching course, clearly. L1 coaching, that's it. You've arrived. <laughs> but like, but like, you know, I just, I was like, okay. So like, th- sorry, this was just like the beginning of like, of like, right. And then the other thing is that, and really, I probably should have put more time into it because I'm, I'm a little scared I didn't pass the test, to be honest with you. Like, a, they gave you a big book. It was like a textbook size thing. I, it was a printout, right, to study. And I didn't study it at all. Like, I didn't even really barely crack it open. I know. I know. But I did attend and listen to the But, like, I became aware that, okay, so, for example, like, as an ex-elite athlete, like, I'm fairly aware of, like, different science around nutrition, current trends in nutrition, you know, diet culture and how it affects sport. Like I, I have like this kind of awareness. I've like worked with a lot of nutritionists, natural paths, had them on the podcast. You know, I, I have a lot of like bits and pieces. I'm not a dietitian myself or a nutritionist, but like I have just kind of this like broad knowledge. Right. And I'm very aware that like CrossFit has a certain way that they think people should eat. Right. And it's like, and then you learn it in like one chapter of this book, if I had read the book, but in this case, in one lecture, and then I'm meant to like answer questions on a test about nutrition. Oh, right. So like, just like interesting little things like that, where I'm like, I'm not answering questions about nutrition in ways that I think are the right answers. I'm answering them. Like, what does CrossFit think about nutrition? Right. Right. So it's like little things like that where I was like, oh, I see like CrossFit's taken a certain, like it's taken a certain angle on nutrition and they actually teach the coaches it, which actually kind of scares me a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you the bad things that I'm making this sound bad. <laughs> it wasn't, it was like a great course. I think um, you're, you're just telling it like it is. Um, Cause that's, that's one of the, the criticisms of CrossFit is, you know, the diet is part of why people say it's a cult. That's one of the reasons. It's, that's one of the reasons. It's, I, it's more than a fitness. Like when you have something that's more than an approach to fitness yeah. and it becomes more, not all encompassing, but encompasses other areas, then yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot. And, and it's just a lifestyle. It, it's, a it's a lifestyle. lifestyle. Yeah. Which right. for me, it's not, Right, <laughs> but like, no, but for and, a lot of people it is. Yeah. Another yeah. hilarious side story just for like, it's like. <laughs> On the second day, my friend Megan's like, Sarah, Sarah, don't look now, but he's eating a bucket of meat. <laughs> and one of one of our instructors, who wasn't instructing at the time, was like, <laughs> he was eating, <laughs> he was just eating meat from like a big container. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, oh yes, crossfit. Here casual we casual snack. <laughs> casual meat from bucket eating. <laughs> apparently. So I didn't witness this as a second hand because I didn't want to turn around and stare. But apparently he was dipping the meat in guacamole. Okay. Yeah. So there's that you side of it. You should have stared because you're never going to see him again. <laughs> you know, just turn around and be like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> but then to be fair, okay. The thing that on the flip side, now I've said why it's called the positives, like, right? The positives. Like one thing I like love, love, love about CrossFit is that like somebody sat down, a group of people like sat down and were like, literally started from the top and were like, what is fitness? Like, what do we consider to be the most well-rounded, best fitness program for a human to be able to do the most varied number of things in the world and be most like physically adapted, anything that they might be thrown into. Yeah. Right. And like, that's cool. Like as a concept. Totally. It's really cool. Um, So I just kind of like, liked hearing about the, you know, all of that. Um, and I learned a little bit it's about the lifting. philosophy, like the philosophy behind it. And it, I, I am totally on board with that. Like as somebody who can only go in a straight line for swimming, biking, running and, and limited in my ability to do things that don't encompass those three things. I really respect it because it, it's about overall well-being. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's such a great, it's like such a fun challenge for me you know, is just at this point in my life is to, is because of that. Um, but yeah. And then the other thing that was interesting, like, of course, for me, I note it, like, I don't think like at the top level of CrossFit, I don't feel like they're, they're doing better now, but there's still like not a ton of women involved. Mm. The course itself didn't have any, anything women specific about it at all. Huh. Right. So like for me, having worked with Stacy for all those years, like, you know, I know that some of the information just like, straight up wouldn't apply to women i also know that like oh (laughs) seagulls the seagulls are like yeah hells yeah um (laughs) that's a female seagull that's right she's just like (laughs) cheering in support and then (laughs) but then also that like so now you know with our with feisty menopause you know really learned that like hips training um and lifting are like really really good for for women going like in perimenopause and um just like nothing about that, which to me would be like a big sales point for CrossFit. Cause literally it's just CrossFit, like show up at a CrossFit gym, you get what you need, you know? Um, do they, do they, so they don't talk about different groups of people. They, they treat everybody. So like age, you know, it's yeah, no not, differentiation, not directly, but in as much as like, you know, we're learning, for example, like we're learning about lifting technique, right. And they go through like the different points to look for. Right. And so you might like, while they're not naming, like, this is what you might see in an older athlete. Like they go through some of the things that we like are like typical um, problem points for people. Okay. Right. And you know that like, if someone was, you know, and just sort of implied almost, although they could address it directly that like, Actually, at one point he did address it directly that like an older athlete or someone who comes from an endurance sport background might be more stiff. You know, like it's hard to get into a full squat. Like I couldn't get into a full squat when I first went in there. Right. (laughs) The seagulls are really, this is like the worst (laughs) you've ever been. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, the only other thing that like I thought was funny too is like there was a, when they were going to reference the instructors did this and the manual did this. Like when they were referencing someone who might be, it would be like, well, you can't give someone, you can't give the same workout to someone who was a D1 athlete as a grandma. It was always a grandma. Uh, <laughs> like was always right. was always the counterpoint to like the athlete, <laughs> you know? And I always like, I like sort of, I'm like, you know, I, and I just keep thinking of like some of the amazing grandmas. I'm like, well, <laughs> work out what if that, that grandma was a former a D- D1 athlete? A D1 athlete. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just, it's the default to that, like both from an age and gender perspective that like, I'm like, meh. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise great group of people. I learned like quite a bit about lifting, lifting technique in particular, um, a little bit about gymnastics and, um, yeah, and made a lot of fun observations about CrossFit. <laughs> did you did you nail the cardio section? <laughs> well, actually, you know what? Same thing. Same thing, Sarah. Like, you have to, like, in order to, even with the test, like, even, I felt like I was just learning what CrossFit wanted me to. So, like, they have a, they have a term that they use for, like, the way that they organize a workout, and they call it threshold. Okay. Right? And what would you think threshold is if you were doing a threshold workout? What would you like, think? threshold training <laughs> right like, which is like your aerobic threshold right 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 like, right or I guess your anaerobic threshold is the one you'd be looking to like yeah. sit on like lactate threshold or anaerobic thresholds right that's what we'd be working on what is it in CrossFit it's like the point at which you can move quickly through a variety of different movements without like the movement decoupling and still go hard like it's like sort of this like that tipping point between, um, technique. Like, so let's say you're doing like, like, so I'll give you an example. Like today we did today. I did a workout that was, um, burpees toes to bar, which is like, you're hanging on the bar and you put your toes up to you kick the bar with your toes. It's actually kind of hard. Um, and then clean and jerks. Right. And so like how the, the intensity on which I can go through those three, boom, 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 without, like my clean and jerks coming apart or like just falling apart. Yeah. I mean, technique wise threshold, like as in, you know, before things fall apart versus lactate threshold, when you start accumulating, you know, blood lactate levels that, okay. All right. Yeah. Tipping point. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, I didn't really realize that there was like when he said threshold, I was like, I know what that is. I'm like, oh, I better remember this, like, so that I'm not writing down the wrong that thing. That it's when that. your form starts falling apart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So even that stuff is like different. Yeah, for sure. Well, it sounds it sounds overall like you know it's a good weekend with a friend, and you learned some stuff, and did you pass the test? I don't know yet. <laughs> oh my word. Keep me posted. I know. I'm a little bit scared <laughs> because I feel like, I, you know, studying would have been a good <laughs> option when taking a test. You went to the lectures. You paid attention. I did pay attention. I took it in. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. I, I, it's, it's possible that I passed. Okay. It's possible. All right. Well, we want to, we all want to know. Yeah. And I love, I love announcing my failure on podcasts. It's so. not failure. It's not failure. Not failure. It's lack of I preparation. Mean, it's exactly what it is. Let's be honest. You just, you know, 
announced that you didn't study. So it's, <laughs> you're setting expectations at a certain level. So everybody's like, you deserve to fail. <laughs> no, we, we all believe in you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We all believe in you. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks. I feel supported. Um, okay. Oh, when bikes don't show up. So you told me before that we started recording that Flora Duffy's bike didn't show up somewhere. Yeah. So this past weekend was Montreblanc 70.3 and Flora Duffy went in, you know, odds on favorite because let's be honest, she's a total boss. Uh, was going to do this race to try to qualify for 70.3 worlds and her bike was stuck in Denver. Didn't show up, didn't get to race, misses her opportunity, which was pretty much like her last chance because she's also, you know, doing the world triathlon series races, um, you know, to try to get her world spot. And I don't know if she's going to try to sneak in another 70.3, but missed out on, the race in Montreal to do this. So yeah, yeah, total bummer, but yeah. it definitely got my gears turning about, you know, when bikes don't show up before mm-hmm. a race and that feeling, and it's just the absolute worst mm-hmm. and knowing that it's just sitting there in the airport. So uh, a couple of years ago before an iron or before, yeah, it was Frankfurt. Um, I am in Germany. My bike's not there. They have no, they can't find it. Like no tracking number. I am going and seeing oh it. Oh yeah. Yeah. They so, didn't even know where it was. They didn't know where it was. Um, because I, I like they switched which airline I flew with. So I had like my airline number for one airline, uh, like my baggage number for one airline. And so they're like, yeah, we don't have it. It must be with like Swiss air or whatever the other, or KLM. It must be with KLM, like call them. They're like, we don't have it. We don't know where it is. And I'm just going absolutely insane. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like I, I swear it was a direct flight. It was a direct flight. I'm like, either it's in Frankfurt or it's in Boston. Like it's nowhere else because let's be honest, like there are, it's a point to point. So what ended up happening was my, my parents were, they just happened to be flying out to someplace else. And uh, flying out of the Boston airport. And I'm like, can you just go to like the KLM office in Boston? Because I swear, like the people in Frankfurt have turned the up- airport upside down. They, they, my bike is not there. Like this is days into me being in Germany. And my, my dad shows up, like kind of cajole somebody. Finally, they find it tucked in like this one little spot in the Boston airport, like it was never going to make it onto the Your dad found your bike in Boston airport? Yes, it was, it was in like some, not even in a luggage office. Like it was some other office. Like it wasn't, it was not where it was supposed to be. Yeah, that you were not getting that bike if your dad hadn't got it. (laughs) So I was like, it's the kind of thing where you may never get it. Yeah, Yeah. Because- they don't, they didn't have like appropriate tags on it. So it was, it was one of these amazing, like only because 
somebody else, like somebody who wasn't my dad, who was just being super persistent and on the case. And I'm like, dad, it's there in Boston Logan airport. You need to find it. And he just like, was, you know, like a dog with a bone. Like he was not going to let this go. Um, yeah, it was, it was insane, but it's the kind of thing with a TT bike, like that is your fit. Like you are so dialed in, especially the longer the distance where I'm sure, you know, if, if she, Flora had been racing in Montreal that weekend instead, it would have been super easy for her to find a bike, you know, and be able to adjust it. But for the time trial bike, you really want it to be your fit. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's be honest, most of us have so much junk in our bike bag that trying to replace things last minute. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, I just, I remember that week, like I was where, I think I just, I was wearing weird stuff. Cause it was whatever was in my, my packed luggage. Cause you're like, Oh, whatever. It's a direct flight. Of course I'm going to get my stuff. Like, yeah, no big deal. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any stories like that from, oh, wow. So interesting. So I have, Oh, I have lots of bike stories, but, um, one time I went to, um, Australia, uh, the Ironman Australia, like not, but it was Port Macquarie. Oh, it was the one in Melbourne. Do you remember they had like the, Oceana championships or something in Melbourne. It might've been during your, you might've been on Olympic focus yeah, and not been. So yeah, it was, a, it was a championship race and I flew there on my bike. It, my bike came, but it was um broken. Like the oh. rear at the back. Um, oh no. I forget exactly how it was. Yeah. It was like actually at the, in the end, there's several layers to the story, but like I put it together. It looked, it looked okay. It wasn't just the that little part is that what you just said like the little part that that snaps sometimes when you travel if you don't take the, the oh the derailleur hanger it wasn't the derailleur oh, hanger it was okay. like actually the it was actually like the frame yeah. was cracked when that but i when i put my back wheel on it wasn't quite right i was like oh is this the derailleur hanger it wasn't it was like the actual fr- so i took it to the bike shop i'm like i think i need a new derailleur hanger no you need a new you need a new frame oh like, fuck yeah like it had taken a hit so in the end i i kind of bitched about it it was like in the days of twitter yeah. about it on Twitter and Simon Whitfield actually um, retweeted my tweet and Qantas called me um, and they like, so Qantas took care of it. It was great. They, they gave me money to buy a new frame and they sent me home on first class. No. Um, yeah. That's insane. Amazing. Yeah. But in the meantime at the race, right. And I, this is where I kind of think I kind of wish I just had like a little more confidence to say like, no, like without my own bike, like dialed in, but like, you know, like local people, they're so keen to help you, whatever. So it was like, you know, oh, I got a friend with a bike, with a bike shop, whatever we got me like onto actually it was, it was the same. I had a Trek frame. It was the same frame. Right. So it was like, okay, maybe we can get me on this bike. We tried to get me set up and I had the actual other bike. So it wasn't like it was a missing bike. We could like put the setup the same, but like, I don't have enough space in my cycling prowess to have anything be off <laughs> like like one thing off and I'm like no like with that uh, over 180k or whatever no, no I'm going to be like you need your like, fit yeah 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 like I could you know like I could be a bit off on the swim still be okay in an Ironman but on the bike nah so <laughs> anyway so it was a terrible race <laughs> like but the other story I was thinking about was when it was my very first pro race. Um, and I was living in the UK and 
something had happened. I had something had happened, like a race had gone wrong or something for me. And it was the very end of the season. And Darren, who was our, who had been our mutual coach, right. Said, this is like in 2003, it was the fall. And he said, listen, if you want to do one more race before the end of the year, like he's like, sign up. He's like, you could go to Zoffigan. Do you remember there was a big long duathlon in Zoffigan? Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Like a, the power man duathlon or something. Yeah. And he's like, or you could go to Nice. And Nice had the um the original ITU long course version, like the 4K bike, 120, 4K swim, 120K, 30K. And it was in, and I was like, I'm going to go to Nice. I just like, you know, I just like up and like went to Nice at the last minute. My bike didn't come. <laughs> Oh no! And then it was my first pro race, and the and the bike, my bike arrived at 10 p.m. the night before the race. I put it together, and I actually went out and had a good race. I just didn't get get very much sleep, but I had a pretty good race. Uh, but that was a little bit stressful. Oh my gosh, that's brutal. Well, I, I mean, I've definitely heard of people like getting their bikes after the race. <laughs> you show. Oh, the worst was. Um, Oh, I think I can't remember who it was like Brian Fleischman or something like that. He, he went to like South Africa and then he went to some other place and his bike was always like a couple days behind the race. So he kept on showing up to different places to race and the bike didn't come until after the race when he'd already flown out to the next location. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. No, that this. was brutal. And he wore like the same three t-shirts. Like we were giving him our race. <laughs> like he was wearing all that. the like women's leftover clothes that we had. It was awesome. But like mm-hmm. poor guy is just, yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> okay. I got to tell you another story. That's like totally off the like. <laughs> And she would not remember this. It's only me that remembers this. But when I, one of the first races I went to with the Scottish team, the team was trying to, when I first joined that the team, like when I first got on the national team, the rest of the team were all trying to qualify for um, the Commonwealth Games, right? Because in the, in the UK, where they would normally, like where Great Britain would normally have like two or three slots for the Olympics, there's suddenly like 12 slots, mm-hmm for the Commonwealth Games. So like Scotland has their own like two or three slots per gender. Um, anyway, so we, we all went into this race. It was one of the qualifying races in, in Denmark. And I used to just, like you said, I'd have all my clothes just like in the bike box, whatever. I had the same, like, you know, I had like the same ratty clothes that I had like on training camp, whatever. And I remember we all staying, the whole, all, all of the UK athletes were in the same hotel. And, and the first, it was the first time I ever met Leanne cave. She comes to, she's like, she was like, comes downstairs to breakfast and she's like glammed up. Like, just like, I'm like, I don't know how. And every day she just showed up just looking so amazing. But <laughs> I was like, then I was like, how did you, did those clothes come from your bike box? Or like, what are you doing that, that I'm not doing? So like, I always used to joke that like, it was like the, I always had to pack a nice outfit for like the Leander Cave effect <laughs> like, because because it was like, I don't even know how you did that. Because like, and I wasn't the only one who was like in jean shorts and a t-shirt yeah, the whole time. That would know? be me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the Leander Cave effect. And then of course I like met her and knew her like years later. Right. But like just at the time, it was quite funny. Um, yeah. So 
think that's about all my bike boxers. Oh, I had one more. I had one more thought when you were talking about, oh, when you were saying like your bike's either in Boston or in Frankfurt. Yeah. I had a friend of mine traveling to see me in Edinburgh and um, he got on the flight and his uh, golf clubs went to Mexico. <laughs> what? So I, I don't think it's a safe assumption that things go with you. Oh all my the gosh. <laughs> that's brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not really helpful. No, no. Okay. Well, if any listeners have stories about uh, their missing bikes, missing bikes, um, especially if they're better than our stories, then please send them along. Um, We're going to take a little break and then uh, we're going to talk about Sarah's encounter with a driver. Let's talk about Orca for a minute. In 2018, Orca approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona and said, Hey, we love what you are doing and we want to support women better. So we are designing products specifically for women rather than just, you know, shrinking the men's products. And we want your help. That's me, Sarah, and Feisty Media that they were asking for help from. Not only that, but I personally find that my Orca wetsuit is the best I've ever had for flexibility and buoyancy, and I definitely wish I had found it when I was racing pro. Fast forward four years, and Orca has launched their new triathlon wetsuits and other gear designed specifically for women. I'm so proud to have been part of this process. So you can order your very own wetsuit and other fab products for 15% off using the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. That's Iron Women, the name of one of our amazing triathlon podcasts, Iron Women 1515 at orca.com. As a former pro triathlete who now does very amateur crossfitting for fun, and is in perimenopause, meaning I can't count on my hormones to be consistent anymore, one of my main limitations is the speed at which I build muscle. It just doesn't come easily for me. I wanted to make sure I am actually getting the benefits of the little time I do have to work out. That's why Amino Co's Perform is the perfect product for me. It tastes good, and I just sip on it before and during my workouts. The AminoCo's Perform formula has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher Dr. Wolf. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under 230 whoa, and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. So if you are looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram for gram basis than any other protein source. To try it yourself and get 30% off, Use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, when you visit aminoco.com forward slash riding. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com forward slash riding. The fastest path to living healthier, longer starts inside. 
Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. It was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. That's quite a list. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier longer. When I do my Inside Tracker tests, I always use the mobile blood draw service. It's amazing because you can enjoy a premium lab experience in the comfort of your own home or your office. All you have to do is book a time that suits your schedule and they will come to you. The scheduling is easy and they send you text alerts so you'll get appointment updates and notifications when your Inside Tracker health analysis and custom action plan are ready to view. It's great for busy people who want to save time. So, if you want to try Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw service and find out what's going on inside your body for your health, go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com forward slash F E I S T Y. All right, Sarah, this is, this is a short story, but I, I'm still processing it because it was so weird. All right. So I'm out for a bike ride and I stop at this gas station to refill some bottles and I'm unscrewing my bottles, like pouring water in and this car parks right in front of me. And this older couple comes out and this, the, the older woman looks at me and says, you, I hope you're careful out there. And, but like the tone of it, I'm like, Ooh, I, I'm not, you know, like, is, is she being kind of condescending? Like what, what's the deal? And then the next thing she, she says is because I have the lid of my bottle in my mouth, she's like, Oh, you have a binky. That's nice. And just walks into the store. I'm like, what? what is going on? Like, it was the weirdest thing where I was trying to say, okay, like, yeah, be careful out there, you know, but I couldn't because I had the lid of my bottle in my mouth. It was just bizarre. And, and it made me realize that even though where I live, like people are pretty tolerant of cyclists. Um, like some people probably just really have a very different opinion of somebody like me um or mm. it's just like what are you doing on the roads like you are a hazard yeah you should, like you are a child playing on bikes like real people drive cars it's just the whole tone of it where I'm like I I did not know what to say yeah I just kind of like uh <laughs> yeah it's you should be careful out there. Whatever she said at first is like almost c- could be like a veiled threat. Totally. Like, no, no, absolutely. Like I wasn't sure if she was being kind or threatening, but like the tone of it was definitely veering more towards the, like you are a, a nuisance on the road. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where I was just going to be like, okay, thanks. You too. Be careful out there. <laughs> Wow. So bizarre. Yeah. So I'm still I'm still working through that one, but like it's easy to take for granted that people 
you know, in their cars, just like at the, in, at, I just assume the worst case scenarios, they're mad at me for kind of holding them up a little bit, but there are, there is a range obviously. And these people are kind of on the higher range of intolerant towards cyclists. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. With my binky. Wow. With your <laughs> pinky. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a weird comment. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Why do, do people go through their days? Just like, does she like get out of her car and be like, I'm going to try to make this cyclist feel bad now? Like wh- what is going through her head? You know what I mean? Like what, how she must be processing information in the world all the time. Like I sort of feel bad for her. Oh, so I mean like the same people who are willing to wind down the window and say nasty things when you're riding. Like, can you imagine walking around the world that that much anger that you have to attack somebody who's just riding a bike, riding a bike. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally Mm. bizarre. So that's the story. Wow. I, all I can say is that is bizarre. I've had someone, I've had a friend of mine who had um, packs of mustard thrown at her and she had like mustard all over her crank. Um, Yeah. That was a weird one. And I believe this is not a firsthand story. This is like, I used to train in Tucson and I believe N Hoffman one time had a gun pulled on him. <gasps> oh. I think I, I, I'm not going to like, I'm not even going to say that that's true, but I feel like that might've been, it might not have been Ben. I think it was wow. Ben. Yeah. Like you can imagine like when people are armed and then, you yeah. know, you've, I've had situations where I've had like encounters with cyclists mm-hmm. or with drivers, right. Where you're like, they're kind of like so pissed at you, right? Like they think, or somehow like even here in Victoria, like I turned, I came up, a car was turning left at an intersection and I had come up like at this outside of her and we turned left at the same time. And I think Mm. I just startled her. Yeah. And she just lost it on me, rolled down her window. I was biking. She's like rolled down. I was in the bike lane, rolled down her window and just shouting and shouting. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know what had, cause it was such a normal thing for me. Yeah. Like that I, like I knew where she was. I was staying out of her way. I was going into the bike lane. She was going into the car lane, <laughs> you know, like, but she just completely, I was like, I like the most dangerous thing was her fucking yelling at me because <laughs> like I could have like, I was so startled by it, you know, no, and honking, I've, honking too. So I've definitely, I definitely had people respond the same way where mm-hmm. they are startled by you as a cyclist. Mm-hmm. And so they react with anger. Yes. Which is a, such an interesting, <laughs> like, what, why? Why yeah. do our brains process that? Yeah. That way, where instead of, you know, being apologetic and scared that you know, almost took out a cyclist, they're yelling at you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've, I had this for the worst time I had this was in Edinburgh one time, and I'm sure I've told this story in the podcast before because it's like, it makes, it, it makes me laugh. I was running, I was running to work and there was a stone wall and then stone wall straight to sidewalk to road. Right. And then there was a um, driveway that came out of the stone wall, but there was no way to see anything. And so yeah. someone was pulling out of this driveway and hit me while I was running on the sidewalk. And I, I wasn't hurt, but I did I did kind of get hit and flopped onto the car. So I like landed on the hood of his car, like this, like this. And he started yelling at me. (laughs) 
I'm like, I'm running on the sidewalk right now. <laughs> like, that's all I was doing. I'm just running on the sidewalk and you hit me with your car. <laughs> what Was it a nice car? I don't remember. <laughs> he started yelling at me. What do you think you're doing? You should watch out. Like, what? <laughs> Pretty sure you're the one driving on the sidewalk right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. It oh, was quite man. like, if I had been injured, it would have been bad. Yeah. But like, as it was, I could just like run away from that and be like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Just keep running. But I would have loved (laughs) to hear that guy plead his case if I was injured. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. She was running on the sidewalk. She came out of nowhere. (laughs) You should watch where she's going. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Darn runners. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm sure people have some good stories. So we always welcome... Hopefully people being safe and not getting hit by these uh, motorists. But yeah, stay safe out there. Send us your voicemails and we look forward to talking to you next week. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.